Hey, you want to hear something cool? Clear sound, great groove, I am in. And that's right, it is not just electric guitar players who are paying tribute to Eddie Van Halen. This is the amazing Mike Dawes. Mike has been wowing audiences all over the world as a solo artist and also as lead guitarist for Justin Hayward, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame singer, guitarist, songwriter for the Moody Blues. And Mike is going to play a ton of guitar for you here and show you his tricks and licks and approaches and tunings and his new live album called Shows and Distancing Live in the USA and it's brought to you by Blue Microphones. Blue has been making mics for 25 years now and today they are the mic of choice for millions of musicians, podcasters, guitarists, producers, singers, and content creators. It doesn't matter if you're just starting out or if you're a professional studio owner who just wants one more color for your bouquet of badass mic tones. You need to check out Blue. Your perfect microphone is awaiting you at bluemic.com. Yeah, I might as well listen to a little more jump before we get into this hang with Mike Dawes, because whatever song he's playing, he has so many ideas, he does not run out. He's definitely put in his 10, 20, 30, 100,000 hours on the, on the guitar and on performing and dazzling crowds with his instrumentals and his sense of humor. This episode will remind you that one fun thing about doing instrumentals is you can name them pretty much anything you want. It's pretty neat when Mike Dawes does shows with Justin. A lot of times Justin will let Mike open the show with a solo set, and uh, that is how this album came about. Mike Dawes' live album, Shows and Distancing, live in the USA. him steel string acoustic and a lot of cool techniques and tricks and soulful playing and gear approaches man mike's got it dialed he's going to reveal all to you you're going to be a downright steel string virtuoso after this episode you just follow everything he does and practice for 20 years piece of cake you might remember hearing some of his stellar playing on the brian beller episode when we listened to samples of Brian Beller's new solo album, which is called Scenes from the Flood. I like players like Mike, you know I do, where you just hit the start button and they just go, just on or off. Like there's no warming up or, let me do six takes. That's me, give me six takes. (laughs) Mike, man, he just, it just, that's Energizer Bunny. I love that. He's also gonna show you the magic of tone wood amps. Very cool, fairy dust dispensers. Sonic fairy dust, people. Put on the back of your acoustic guitar. (music) 
Mike is in England and he recorded his end of the interview very clearly, gave me a nice stereo file. There are one or two little moments where when he's tuning, because he's so magical with these different tunings and he's got many of them, there's one or two moments where he's changing the tuning and the guitar might be a little louder than the, than the voice, but you can still hear what's going on. But just know in your heart that I would have brought that down if I could. So minor, but I just don't want you to think I was sleeping on the job, people. My name is still Jude Gold, and I really thank you for listening to No Guitar Is Safe. Hope you enjoyed the recent Eddie Van Halen lesson tips and tributes episode. And Niall Rogers, super producer, ultra funky, Grammy grabber, one of my personal heroes. And like Eddie, one of my longtime lifelong heroes. And I do hope you go over to bluemike.com and check out these things. Have you heard of the Bluebird and the Yeti? These blue mics are everywhere from the top recording studios to YouTube videos to project studios. Really want to thank Blue for supporting our show. They've been making mics for 25 years and they are the mic of choice for millions of musicians, podcasters, and creators. They will elevate your production. Give them a try. Whether you're just starting out or looking to get a new color in your mixes, Visit bluemike.com and click Get Started to find the mic of your dreams. All right, let's fly this chopper all the way over the pond to England and hang out with Mike Dawes, who I met in the middle of a sea once. That's when I first met him. You know what to do. Keep the music alive till you're 95. Just Thanks interview. for having me on, man. I really appreciate it. It's, uh, it's such a cool little thing you got going, man. I've been, uh, I've been listening. I listened to my uh, buddy Gus, Gus G, on your, oh, on your sweet. show. So, yeah, uh, it's I'm a wicked, sure wicked thing. I'm not sure which is further, Gus G, which is Greece or London, but I have now flown the proverbial helicopter to England. I'm not positive you're in London. Where, where are you nowadays? Uh, yeah, I'm in Bristol in, uh, in the UK in the southwest. Are we rolling, by the way, for this? Yeah, yeah we're rolling. Oh, damn. Okay, sorry. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's all good. Always rolling. Yeah, wow. Great to see you. I haven't seen you since we were in the middle of the Caribbean floating around yes. on, a, on a boat. And you, of course, were accompanying this incredible Justin Hayward from the Moody Blues. True yes. rock and roll. He has to be a rock and roll Hall of Famer. I mean, there's just no doubt, right? Yeah, he's well, the best boss ever, really, you know, Justin. And you were there with Jefferson Starship, it was, which was amazing, by the way, because I'm a huge, you know, fan. And my girlfriend in particular, who was there as well, I think we all hung out briefly in, like, one of your cabins. <laughs> that's, that, that's those boat cabins, first, yeah. That's when I first met you, because uh, all the parties get kind of compressed. So, I, yes. yeah, I, I walked in. Our balconies were connected, I think. So I, like, came around my balcony over to Kathy's balcony, because you can, you can have them tear down the barriers so that you can... That's create right. like multi-cabin mayhem it's pretty fun yeah and everyone gets to know where the security cameras are yeah yeah <laughs> you so can kind I, of plan accordingly so i walked in there yeah and that's when i met you and your girlfriend and um yeah it was a uh, i think it was like a million o'clock at night something but. like that yeah in the ocean in the nautical nautical times yeah it's amazing that um i mean that was so much fun that was the first sort of cruise cruise festival thing that that i'd done and and i did another one the year after but then obviously this year's one got canned and sunk, as did all the gigs in the world ever. Um, but those those cruise festivals, man, what a great time. It's like a holiday for everyone, you know? Yeah, they really are underrated because it's 
everywhere you turn there's a stage with somebody playing and one of the incredible things was to be able to see you do your solo stuff too now now you are totally getting uh wider and wider recognition every day that goes by but for someone who hasn't seen you before or heard you play would you like to play a little something just to kind of demonstrate i'm putting you on the spot right oh, here Are yeah well well basically i play a style of uh, acoustic guitar called well it's a weird thing because the justin haywood of the moody blues kind of session gig is is a dream gig really because not only do i get the privilege to kind of play uh, acoustic and electric guitar accompanying things like nights in white satin and all of that stuff but I, I get to open the shows as well. And that's my own music, which is kind of sort of the bastard child of fingerstyle guitar, where I'm sort of playing acoustic guitar with my fingers, but I'm also sort of using the body of the guitar for sort of percussive effects and things like that, and, and playing a lot of different weird, unusual techniques to try and squeeze as much as possible out of the instrument. And my sort of philosophy on the whole style was sort of, you know, anything... I want to be able to do as much as possible on an instrument that I could just grab from a shelf in a guitar store, you know? So it's supposed to be an inspiring way of playing for, for kids who perhaps, you know, they, they want to rock out and do crazy stuff, but their parents will only get them the acoustic guitar for Christmas or something like that. And, and I, I really like the idea of exploring the potential of the guitar. So one little demonstration that's nice and easy is because you're not playing with a guitar pick, you can play a bass line like this with two notes, just with the thumb. And you can start adding in some hammer-on layers, start creating these multi-layered arrangements. And then because of the wood on the guitar, you can start adding these little drum patterns to it. And then there's other things you can do as well, like harmonics there. No looper pedal, folks. No, no looper pedal. Yeah, oh, just no, a guy no, hunch, just hunched that. over, hunched over on his stool, <laughs> surrounded by technology and microphones and things. Yeah. So it's first of it's, all, you are completely fulfilling your goal of inspiring people with that little piece of wood with six wires on it. But <laughs> can you uh, and, and can you keep going with that piece? There's more to it, or? Uh, yeah. Well, the the, the the really unusual thing, not to be a negative Nancy, is that um, I haven't played this stuff for a very long time. But um, oh yeah, I didn't mean to cut you off, but. Oh, that's so cool how you get those harmonics in there. Yeah, there's a lot to it, man. I just realized I'm in the wrong tuning for that song as well, because part of part of the style is that every song's in a different tuning, right? So I, yeah. I got to a point there where I realized I had to change the tuning of one of the notes, right? So this particular tuning... That sounded like dadgad or something. You nailed it on the head, man, exactly. So a lot of stuff is dadgad, and it starts like that. And actually, that's how... I find it's a tuning that's really easy for people starting this style because, you know, it's not too dissimilar from standard tuning uh, or drop D, which a lot of people are used to. Uh, so sort of knowing where you are visually in your sort of A string, D string and G string box, which hasn't really changed, is quite straightforward. And I find it's a really easy tuning to build melodies and build parts. Little melody on the top, it's very easy to know where your B is. So you're saying because the fifth, build your fourth, and... You're saying because the um, fifth, fourth and third string yes no, because they're the same as standard tuning yeah yeah so that's where same. a lot of the body of chords for me sort of come from so it's very easy to kind of know where you are there and then it seems very i don't know it's very hard to sound bad in dadgad i find it's, it's like <laughs> impossible you just put your hands anywhere 
and it just sounds cool. <laughs> it's a weird, it's a weird Man, thing. I mean, it's an open DSOS four, which is an open tuning. So, you know, as long as you're playing in a key which works with it, it's 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 very hard to sound bad. You know, you've because you have no third in the tuning, it's not. You know, it's suspended, so it's very easy to change the tonality, but keep a lot of vibe if you're playing on one of these kind of D major, D minor kind of things, B minor. Um, but then there's, you know, other crazy stuff you can do with it. I like G minor is a crazy one. Uh, for the benefit of those who can't see the video here, there's a, a stretch yeah. here which is real nasty. But Yeah, that is a but you, gnarly you can, stretch. You can create some really, really, really cool, really cool stuff with it, but... Um, that's kind of where I started and... Can I hear a little G minor in Dadgad? I've never really messed with that. Yeah, that's a little extract. A little extract from a, a Pierre Ben Susan <laughs> tune. Pierre Ben Susan? Oh, I don't know if you've had him on, but he's yeah, I, the I, master I, of Dadgad. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. We've, we've covered him in... Guitar Player Magazine many times. Oh, he is amazing. Yeah, that's a tune called So Long Michael, but C major works in Dadgad as well. If you think of the notes, it's nice. I have a waltz on my on my first album, which I haven't played in a million years, but it's um it's in C major, and then you can modulate to D, which facilitates it really nicely, bringing that low string on the bottom as a root. But then most songs tend to evolve from there. Um, recently, I've been experimenting with some more unusual tunings with some more interesting voices, but certainly Dadgad, for anyone listening, is a really, really lovely place to start. Man, that is so beautiful. Is that Sting? Kind that is, <laughs> that's a bit of Sting. That's it. Yeah, a bit of Fields of Gold. Yeah, I've, I've I'm just yeah. playing around with that recently. But um, yeah, and it's really good yeah. for the Celtic folk stuff, which is actually where I kind of started from, actually playing the sort of uh, jigs and reels and things like that, you know. Show us the the first true piece or whatever, jig or reel or whatever, that really was the gateway when you're like, you saw the magic of finger style and open tunings and... Wow, uh, let me try and try and remember what that you? would be. Uh, well, I would have been about 17 when I discovered the acoustic guitar. So yeah, the when I started, I was into sort of rock and metal and stuff, which I still am. I mean, you know, got the hair for it. You know, it's 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 the fun stuff. You started but, uh, with electric guitars, rocking out. Yeah, yeah, with electric guitars. Um, I had a, an Epiphone Les Paul, and I was into Guns N' Roses and and, and all of that stuff. Um, but when I was seventeen, I, I got really into the acoustic guitar through the music of Pierre Ben Susan and Eric Roche, uh, the late great Eric Roche and Michael. Mike, Hedges. do you know how much hearing you have saved by switching to acoustic at age seventeen? Um, <laughs> yeah, well, I have a lot of friends in really loud metal bands. I'm talking about your own hearing. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I know, and we're the same age now, and they, they kind of are starting to feel it, you know? Um, but, um, yeah, it, it's something that I do miss the, the loud sound of being on stage with a metal band, but, uh, you know, Justin Hayward loves the, uh, the solo tours because he's always enjoying the fact he doesn't have two drummers wailing behind him, <laughs> you know, with the full right. Moody Blues show. But in terms of the first kind of thing, I think... Just basic little, like there's a slip jig called Catherine Kelly's that I learned. I'll see if I can remember it. That kind, that kind of vibe, you know, where you're really using the kind of drop D kind of vibe, but because you have the A and the D on the top as well, 
you know, it's just nice and open and, and a very, very simple, straightforward thing that you can play on one or two frets. So as a beginner, that kind That's of thing beautiful. is really nice to learn. And, and where I grew up in, in the Southwest, I live in a, a town called Bristol right now, but not too far from here. Um, uh, there's a lot of Welsh influence, you know, so people playing that kind of music. I was never an expert in it, but its its vibe, its kind of sound was very much kind of prevalent around. A lot of I people's gateway to this would be certain overdubs or pieces by Jimmy Page. Where, mm. does, where did, you know... I used to live next door to Jimmy Page, more or less. Oh, really? Yeah, we, we never did knew each other. I mean, he's Jimmy Page. <laughs> like house next door? Uh, almost next door. So, so he had a place um, down in Hampshire where I, uh, that's where I kind of grew up. I, I, was, I was born in the West Country where I am now, grew up in sort of Hampshire, Surrey area, and then uh, went to university and stayed around the, the Bath, yeah. Bristol, West Country area. And he had a place down there near where they recorded Stairway to Heaven. Uh, actually, um, I actually did his. He did a guitar competition, and I entered when I was thirteen. So I got to meet him, which is pretty cool. Fantastic. As a thirteen-year-old, yeah. Sorry, I talk for England. I just blab and blab and blab. Oh, that's that's. <laughs> this is a podcast. It is a podcast. All about blabbing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. Human interaction in the age of COVID. Now, did Jimmy Page? say anything that you remember that day about um, guitar or well any I was so he didn't he didn't see me play um, because I was got to, I got to the semi-finals of this thing called the Riffathon but for the finals um, you know I went to watch I was 13 at the time and the judges were Brian May Jimmy Page and uh, a few uh, members of the press around the sort of Guildford wow. area um, and I, I, I was sort of a shy kid um, sort of tugging at his sleeve, excuse me, Mr. Page, you know, can I meet you? But um, a, a funny thing about that is they had a, an auction, like a, lucky, a, a a sort of signed Led Zeppelin auction for charity, right? And I think there was a signed How the West Was Won, like Led Zeppelin triple disc live album. And it went for yeah. something like 700 quid, which is like a thousand bucks or something. Yeah, I remember covering that album. So I think that you, this must have been around 2002. It was 2003, exactly that. Yeah, okay. yeah. So yeah, for Damn, you're a Bible of knowledge, well, sir. Um, well, but I, I remember because I was scheduled to interview Jimmy Page about that record, and oh, it didn't wow. happen. That was the big heartbreak of my journalistic career. For some reason, it didn't come. Uh, well, well. <laughs> but I talked the, to John Paul Jones. That's great. He's a genius. But the story, the story goes on to something like that because there was a lucky dip. Do you know what a lucky dip is in the states? It's like you pay a couple of bucks and then you put your hand in a thing and pull out a prize. <laughs> you know. And I happened to do it. It cost a couple of bucks to do, and I pulled out the How the West Was Won, and then wow. just went up and met Jimmy Page, and he signed it for me right in front of the guy that just paid a thousand bucks for the same thing. Incredible! That's funny. a nice dip right there. <laughs> yeah, I always good, love good the, rate of the, the way British verbiage is. Sometimes it's so different. Like you, I saw a soda there once called sucrose drink. Like that's all it said. It's like huh. it was like a generic soda like how can you just can you be a little more inspired in your probably some or? yeah probably some off-brand like a uh, co-op own sucrose drink i don't know or i've like, never heard of it but there's things like that for sure or like i saw a, a mcdonald's there once and it, instead of you know pickup window or it was food collection point that's food collection so point. literal yeah <laughs> no i like so, it, it, it so is, lucky is. dip is one of those things yeah lucky it's dip like, it's one of those things you have like the the, the we, we call them village fates uh, F-E-T-E, like a little, you, you have little suburban villages that, that, you know, shut the roads off and put up an inflatable bouncy castle and have cotton candy. We call it candy floss, you know. Candy um, floss. Yeah, it's, 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 it's a fun time. But um, 
Yeah, I, I'm missing all my my Americanisms and my international friends right now. Uh, it's kind of feeling a bit trapped here on this little lonely island that's getting yes, lonelier by the month as as Brexit looms. Right, that's a big topic. Uh, but yeah, I mean, so so for Jimmy Page, he was a gateway for a lot of us to who like for me, I never really heard about British Isles acoustic guitar kind of stuff until coming through him. And obviously, he has stuff like Bronier R. I don't know how to say the name of that 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 house or but there's yeah. a i don't know if, there's, if you know that piece it's in like some open tunings like open tunings were a well i mean cashmere. Dude, i mean yeah cashman yeah you know all, all, all that stuff can, yeah. can can work with that i mean it is that guy isn't it cashmere it is yeah yeah it is exactly so all, all that kind of op open string vibe yeah led zeppelin would have uh certainly been inspired by the same people that inspired the people who i was inspired by if that makes sense i think davy graham was the first artist to bring dadgad tuning over from i believe north africa which is interesting because it's so associated with sort of celtic music but it's i believe a north african tuning um but it, it's wonderful it, it's 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 uh, it's kind of my standard tuning um you know but uh I, yeah. I, I lose my my cognitive sort of uh, uh, consistency with that kind of thing because every tune becomes a new you know uh, develops into a new tuning and then you have to re remember where your fingers are you have to learn that again and and you get to a point where ear kind of leads a lot of it but um, it, yeah. it's easy to get rusty in the songs you don't play if that makes sense right so where did you expand to another tuning that what's your next go to tuning from Dadgad or um. I I've been I was toying around for a few on a few tunes um, in a tuning which is essentially an open B minor nine chord, but uh, on a normal scale length guitar it would sort of be upper tone just to facilitate the yeah. the strings. So when I record in the studio, I get specific string gauges for the specific songs so they sound as punchy as possible. But um, yeah, live I tend to have to make some compromises in terms of the actual uh, key. Uh, just so that everything can go around there. So it would be an open C sharp minor nine, which would be, I believe, if I can remember, C sharp, G sharp, D sharp, E, B, E. Um, so you have a semitone in the middle, uh, a kind of uh, yeah half step interval in the middle, which can sound really haunting and evil if you put it into a run or something, you know. So is there a song of yours that we could take a listen to that is in that tuning? You don't have to change your guitar right now or go switch string gauges or anything. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, actually. Um, so I have a live album coming out on October the 30th um, and the first track, the, the opening of the whole live album really shows how powerful that tuning is. It's it's exactly that. It's the open C-sharp minor 9 tuning and it starts with just a big open chord just playing the harmonics. So you can feel the power of the tuning and that one's called, it has two names, it's called Encomium and uh, it's also called Reverie. And that opened a, sh opened a show in New York which was opening for Justin Hayward and uh, it's a really powerful thing. It was a it was a converted chapel just off Central Park, and you come on stage and hit that big harmonic chord, and you suddenly get everyone's attention because it's such an unusual sound. You know, you can feel the power in the room there.
Yeah, that is a beautiful tune. Huge sounding chords. Is it a standard scale length guitar or so you just up the string gauges? Exactly, yeah. It's this exact guitar here. I was just tuning. I tuned it a tone higher than it is on the record. Um, and a lot of that, a lot of those decisions are made not only to kind of just make the uh, the song work with the string gauges, but it's actually just about making a show flow and a lot of the flow of a solo guitar show is about how long it takes to switch things up between the songs. So uh, I know that I can, if I was in that key, there's fewer rotations of the machine heads to the next song right. in that particular set, if that makes sense. So yeah. I can get to standard tuning quite quickly from that actually, you know, because the top two strings are E, B, E, uh, sorry, R, B, B and E. The G string is down to E, which is a bit hard, so I have to think of a joke to tell the audience while I get that up to pitch, you know. So a lot of the, the tuning, or the key rather, is dictated by, by the set list as well. Yeah, your banter with the audience is great. I mean, there's so much of it. <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of it, yeah. On, I, on like on Boogie Shred, you're like, what, what? tell us why in the middle of that song, you're like, everybody say cheeseburgers. Well, that's the thing. So, well, that whole year of touring, which I missed dearly, and this, you know, pre-COVID 2020 touring, um, I, I try to keep things kind of, kind of fun on stage. Um, I've been to so many acoustic guitar concerts where it's kind of sit down and shut up and the guy on stage is just doing his thing. And that's fine. And I find that very entertaining and fun for a period of time. But maybe because I grew up going to rock shows, it, it you know, I miss that kind of interaction everybody put your hands together kind of stuff so yeah. okay melbourne please put your hands together for me right now just like a rock show one two three four one two three four this is awesome man what a way to end the tour keep it going My, my, my friend, the guitar tech on that tour, would uh, would give me a word of the day every show and say I have to get that word into the show that night. <laughs> and, uh, and actually Justin Hayward got involved with it and we had a tour manager one tour that would give me really obscene things to say on stage and we'd have a bet going and I, you know, I'd go backstage and there'd be a, a tenor like on my dressing room door if I, I did the dare, you know. So really long-winded words I had to build into speech and, 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 and song introductions. It was pretty funny. And it just happened to be that uh, that night, the show that, uh, that we captured that song on, Cheeseburgers was the word of the day. So it made it onto the album as yeah. a result. Well, what a fantastic opportunity to open for Justin Hayward at his solo shows because the dude has fans. <laughs> oh, yeah. You know, he's a serious headlining artist right there. Mm. And... You've got this beautiful captive audience, and you certainly don't disappoint, as anyone can tell who's ever YouTubed you or takes a listen, takes a listen to your new record shows and distancing. Thank I you. mean, these crowds are really responsive. You get them clapping and stuff, um, like on William Shatner's pants. Great name. Some of that right now. <laughs>
what inspired the name of that song, William Shatner's Pants? Well, Jude, it was another dare. <laughs> I mean, I, I, I really do. I, I take the music very seriously. Like I put a lot of time and energy, everything I have into these guitar arrangements and these compositions. But maybe it's my awkward British humor, but I don't associate that there's a part of my personality which is just really goofy and silly. And I don't. I just can't understand how some other musicians that I know can shut that off when they're presenting their art because they feel that, you know, perhaps the audience expects them to behave a certain way. I, I, I kind of understand where that comes from when you grow up in the classical world and things, but I grew up in the world of playing in bars and trying to reach the drunken guy at the back of the room. And, and it's another element of honest expression. Like, if I'm, you know asking the audience to say cheeseburgers or getting them to clap along while I do a drum solo or lying on my back and clapping with my feet and, and just doing silly things. It's because I find it really fun, genuinely. Like, it's the kind of thing which adds to the enjoyment for myself in a selfish sense. But, but when you're on stage solo, it's all about honest expression. And I think the audience can tell if you're not being sincere. So that side of the show, which is captured on the album deliberately, some people won't be into that, but that's fine. You know, I'd rather put out 100% myself and my own personality into a record and into a performance than dial it back because of what I expect people might want. And so far, they've been responsive to it. Maybe it's the accent. I don't know. Maybe I can get away with things because it's because of the accent. But I appreciate it. I appreciate everybody getting involved and bearing with me when I indulge my own insanity. Oh, yeah. No, it's not. And the accent won't save you. It's your spirit <laughs> that is connecting with them. And um, yes, I agree with you. People come out on a Friday night or whatever, and they're sitting in a chair. I mean, God and willing, the, this will no. all happen again. Yeah, get them involved. You know, one of the greatest right. concerts I ever saw was Take Six, the gospel acapella group. Amazing. Six singers. They got us singing four-part harmony, the whole crowd, and everyone on their, like, it was an unforgettable audience participation moment. That's right. it, man. I mean, that's that's exactly yeah. what I love about live shows, and you know, the the circuit that we play on when you know when you're doing um you know the Jefferson Starship tours and 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 the Justin Hayward shows, a lot of them are at the same kind of venues. You know, we do like the Rose, Pasadena, you know, places like that. Some of these chairs, they're uncomfortable. Like I've seen the chairs. You see them at Soundcheck. You know, I wouldn't want to sit in these chairs. So let's let's make it. Let's add some movement into it. You know. Yeah. No offense to places like the Rose, but they oh have no, those amazing little, place. Yeah. Yeah. These places. are amazing, but they they have the long tables with everyone sitting literally perpendicular to the stage. So in order to see, they all have to turn their head ninety degrees to the yeah. left or the right to look. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, get them moving. Get anything that gets the circulation going. You know. But again, yeah. it's it's all. It's all just honest expression, man. And I think um, a lot of that came from playing in the bars, really. Like I did about a year's worth of just open mic nights between my college and university years where I had to figure out how to play solo acoustic guitar music for free in a room full of people who were drunk and didn't care. So that kind yeah. of interaction really gets people going, you know, especially in a and culture of pantomime like the UK where we have that kind of, that kind of thing is part of our tradition a little bit. And I, I recommend... You do what Kathy does in those situations, like at the Rose. She'll literally walk onto people's tables. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. I mean, I, I hope I can get a wireless guitar system going with the multiple pickups because yeah. I'd love to do that. And actually, um, you've heard of the Tonewood amp, yes. right? Well, I was, I was wondering if you could demonstrate that. I don't know if you have one handy. Oh, damn. Are... I, I do. Yeah. I mean, I just need to put it on and unstrap and things. But um... this is like the stocking stuffer Christmas present that, you know, anyone listening, this is what I want. Oh man, it's it's amazing. <laughs> it yeah, so cool. I'll 
I'll, I'll get plugged in and and I guess you can cut to that or whatever but um yeah the, basically it's you know that allows me to actually unplug and I stick the tone amp on the guitar at some shows and I walk around the room if the room's small enough I can actually walk around the room and I have reverb you know which is really cool but uh, yeah let me stick it to my guitar and I'll, I'll show you what it is a live demo this um, is like instant turns your acoustic guitar into an instant candy store absolutely um I'm gonna have to so he's putting it on the back of the guitar. There we go. So Jude, do you so, mind if I, uh, am I allowed to like plug a coupon code? Cause they gave me no, a coupon code. Yeah. Of course, I might be the first person to take advantage of it. Now, first of all, Sweet. you are no longer connected to anything. You've unplugged through your system. You are strictly one dude with a guitar in his lap. I am indeed, so yeah. So I've just attached this thing to my guitar using magic and witchcraft. What I'm doing right now is just disabling the, the reverb monitoring that I had already. Oh, it's so freaking cool, man, this thing. Again, I just yeah. put it on the guitar, stock settings, haven't done anything with it, and it's just made me literally giggle in a podcast listened to by, by many people. <laughs> so I've stuck this thing on the back of my guitar. It's called a Tonewood amp. If, if you've not been living on, on a rock, you may have heard of it. But basically, it sticks to the back of the back surface of your acoustic guitar um, with magnets. So there's a, there's a magnetic brace in my guitar. And... Um, uh, it basically takes the sound of your pickup and it vibrates the back surface of your guitar and the reverb somehow through magic comes out of your sound hole. It's ridiculously bizarre to explain how cool this sounds. Um, not right, so just back up a second. Did yeah. you install this magnetic brace through the sound hole into like? Yeah, you it? just you just reach in, so it's a little like an X. Um, and it's an X with legs, and each one of those little legs on the X have tiny little adhesive uh, magnets. So it's magnets that are, have a sticky coating. Nothing that's right. destructive to a guitar. You know, this guitar, my signature Kunst guitar, is my baby, and it's in here. You know, it's in literally guitars that I perform all over the world, but I don't even use the Tonewood Live, you know, so obviously I have yeah. no need to do that, but I do it anyway for my home practice. So you reach in stick it on because it's shaped like an x with legs it reaches over the bracing of any guitar bracing type right so you can right. find a spot for it and yeah um it's it's just wild i mean i can slide it around a bit and get slightly different levels that's a that's a nice big sound uh but not only that i have a notch filter um it has notch filters in it has two i think two band maybe three band parametric eq in it so this guitar for example is really hot around f sharp g around like 190 200 hertz kind of thing um so i can eq that out and uh yeah i mean that's just a reverb coming through i don't know if it's being picked up oh i can hear it clearly So reverb is literally being vibrated out of the sound hole. And, and what that means is it's like every room you're playing in is a bathroom, you know? Uh, we, when you play acoustic guitar, it can sometimes be very uninspiring and very stale sounding. And if I were to turn that off now, like my guitar is just boring. And, and, and lifeless, but um, it's not just, whole, it's not just um, reverb, that's the thing. There's delay, There's it's a multi-effects processor. So for example, there's three different types of reverb. And again, stock delay, I have no idea what setting this is on. 
Can you hear that? Wow. Yeah. <laughs> Once in a while, a cool new guitar gizmo comes out, and this, this definitely is, qualifies. This is the thing. I mean, going going back uh, to what we said earlier about just me not being able to contain my own personality and weirdness. Like the amount I'm gushing over this device is not some kind of marketing ploy. It's like it's two people in Arizona, a husband and wife, who literally designed and created this thing. And I I have one in my guitar case everywhere I go. I absolutely love it. I love them. Uh, why should electric guitar players have all the fun? basically yeah that's the way i look at it and actually if anyone wants to pick one up by the time this airs if you go into like the gear page on my website which is mikedoors.com or like my instagram bio or something like that there's a link to get 10 percent off one of them so by hearing this you basically can get one for 10 percent off and i highly encourage you to do that because my second album yeah. would have sounded totally different if I didn't have this device to compose with. So the song Encomium, Reverie, which I opened the live album yes. with, um, was composed using the Tonewood amp. That's why there's so much space in the piece and reverb, because it was just written with the soul and the DNA of the Tonewood amp in it. Um, yeah. yeah, it's an amazing thing, and I, I highly recommend checking it out. And I see it has like a little LCD screen. Is it like lithium-ion lithium rechargeable? What's going on with it? Yes, yeah, so it's it takes three AA batteries, but you can use rechargeable batteries. So that's what I do. Right. So I have rechargeable batteries. I use them when they're running low. I put some more rechargeables in and swap the other ones out and charge them. Out, charge them. So when I'm on a tour, if I'm running out, I just leave some batteries charging in the hotel room or on the bus or something. Does it have rough edges that hit your rib cage? Is it squared off? No, that's the thing. So so it's kind of the profile of it. It's it's about the size of. I don't know. What is it about the size of? It's not very big. It's like the size of a finger span. You know, if you stretch your thumb and your index finger out, it's about that long. Um, but it's in the position on the guitar at the on the back of the back surface. So it's sort of, um, if you look at where the bridge is on your guitar and take the space of the bridge to the end of the guitar, to the bottom of the guitar, it sits somewhere in there. And where you sit naturally, it's, it's off to one side. And even when you're standing up, like I said earlier, I... I I use this live sometimes by just unplugging from the PA, plug the Tonewood amp in, and go and walk around the room, you know? Um, so it's pretty, it, it's just really cool, man. I love it. And um, yeah, I, I like supporting people like that who, who make things, like independent creators. Um, that's why my guitar's the Kunts, and that's why I, I love their thing as well. And there's guitars that exist now that have basically used the same kind of technology to build into a guitar. Uh, but the thing I like about the Tonewood amp is you can just have one Tonewood amp and use it on all your guitars, you know? Yeah. So it, it's just really cool, man. I think I think it's just one of the best. I think it's probably the most important invention for the acoustic guitar since the Capo. I would go that far. I can't really think of anything for acoustic guitar that's been that revolutionary. That's awesome. Um, super, super dork question here. Does it have tap tempo for the delays? It doesn't have tap tempo yet, but I've been on at them to do something like that. But it has a wheel. Uh, it's a wheel control. And, and, and all of the yeah, all of the um, parameters are between a value of 0 to 25 or 1 to 25. And you sort of just like dial that in. But each effect has three... It's turning into an advert now. The, each each <laughs> um, effect has three different parameters assigned to that effect. So the delay, you can adjust the delay time. You can adjust the amount of reverb that goes with it. So you can turn it into a reverb delay. And then you can adjust the feedback. 
you know, there's even like an auto wah and a, a Leslie speaker sound and a chorus and all that kind of stuff. It's just, it's just a wicked thing. And I, 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 I I'm very aware that I sound like a broken record because I've done so many like interviews where I just gush over this thing, but it just really is that good. No, I really thank you for doing that because, you know, when a new product comes out, it's hard for a company to get taken seriously. You yeah. know, it's like you first see it, you're like, how come no one did this before? Is it really good? Is it a gizmo? And then you actually get into it and you see the demo and you're like, wow, this is so cool. And then a world-class artist like you makes these proclamations, which I absolutely believe in. So well, then you, it starts to get taken seriously. It's a, it's a fight for a product to evolve and it's, uh, it's you know, tough out established. there. It, it's, it's really tough out there. I really appreciate your compliments because, again, like I'm just a weird guy in Bristol who who used to do shows. That's kind of who I am <laughs> right now. So I like these these little compliments. Oh. You should do my stage introductions when these things I know comes the real out. deal when I see it, man. I'm telling you. Well, I appreciate it. And I'm, I'm very rusty today. But, I mean, yeah, the, the yeah. that it, it's really tough out there. And one thing that I've learned from talking to them, not to air a dirty laundry because I'm not, I'm not going to do that, but when there's big companies out there, with money and lawyers you know what i mean like once a company is so big they can basically tread on whoever they want so all the more respect to the little guy when they kind of fight through a lot of that noise yeah yeah that's cool i didn't even know they were in arizona anyway thanks for demoing that that was really cool pleasure man pleasure now speaking of banter you and justin hayward have a just a wonderful banter you're always joking back and forth with each other any memorable moments between songs with this legend (laughs) He's well. He's the best, and he comes out with some real, real zingers for sure, uh, both on stage and off. Um, I mean, the man's just got so many stories. You know, I mean, he was he was a rock star in the '60s. He still is a rock star, but you know, imagine being a rock star in the '60s. And he must um, have been pretty young because he's 73 now, which is actually young for a '60s rock star. Yeah, I believe 17 is when he he really started going. I believe he he joined up with Marty Wilde. Um, who was kind of his mentor and then and then the moody blue stuff kind of happened after that but um man it, it's 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 hard to think of a single a single zinger but we definitely have in jokes you know where uh, certain words or phrases that that mean things to the touring party that would sound plain and boring to anyone else but uh, plenty of things like that for sure can you show us um particular song that you play maybe a moody blues riff or a section that you really enjoy each night that you get to kind of do your thing on yeah so um well i mean the classic would be nights you know i mean a lot of the moody blues set oh sorry a lot of the justin hayward set um is in standard tuning uh, because there is soloing and things like that you know Uh, and it just kind of makes it easier but the trick is for anyone listening who's who's never really played with um, a, a session, or for anyone that's looking to get into the kind of session, sort of being the right hand axe man to to an artist with established sort of tunes, um, getting out of their way is one of the most important things you can do. You know, you don't want to overplay, and that's yeah. really really important. So with something like Knights in White Satin, Justin and I sort of dance around the uh, the vocal so all those lines so you can imply imply the vocal but not play it exactly
Mm. You know, you know what I mean. So it's a sort yeah. of call and response between the guitar part and his vocal. But the cool thing about the percussive guitar element with the Moody Blues songs is that when the drums would come in uh, in the Moody Blues, I get to do my bass drums and my snare drums and things. So. really get to beef it up with the kick drums and the yeah. snares, you know, with the cause proverbial kick drum occurring yeah. right during a strum. And before we get into a technical description of how your guitar is wired, where are you striking the guitar during that strum to get the kick? So, yeah, so the way I think of this style and the way I've kind of always thought about it. It's been a while since I played any of these songs. You know what, when lockdown happened, I didn't play guitar for two months. I it's, don't believe that. Yeah, it, it's, it's crazy. It's just a psychological trauma, man. It's been a crazy wow. time. But anyway, yeah, so the actual question I should probably I say answer. that because you flow so effortlessly and you just look like someone who plays like every waking hour. So Oh, <laughs> well, that's very kind of you. But no, muscle memory from the pr last tour we did would have been November last year, I suppose, almost a year. But, but all of these techniques, these kind of thumps and things are all built from this kind of system uh, that I call the grid. So on one axis of this imaginary grid, I have all these different percussive elements that you can pick up on a steel string guitar or any hollow bodied instrument. So the kick drum that you were talking about would be something like this. Is now for your, the benefit of people listening, it's, it's, yeah, it's the heel of the hand just sort of in position where you would rest your, your hand normally if you were playing finger style. You can sort of, I guess, position your picking hand almost like, um, someone on a motorbike revving the the motorbike and the wrist does that kicking motion and the wrist so the heel of the hand the sort of ball of the hand there hits back uh -huh. into an area and the precise area the easiest way to describe it is if you look at the edge of the sound hole and uh where the sixth string meets the bridge so where the, the bottom string meets the bridge and the bottom string meets the sound hole Think of those as two points of an equilateral triangle. And then the third point coming up would be exactly where you want to strike to get that thump. Um, so, Damn, so, your descriptions are badass, dude. I'm just saying. <laughs> oh, it's the accent. <laughs> no, no. Equilateral triangle. Equilateral though. triangle. That's perfectly explained. <laughs> Very good for the podcast world. Okay, yeah. Do you have a little pickup underneath that spot where your palm hits for that particular kick? So I actually do on this guitar. Now, for the benefit of the tape, again, I keep saying that, even though we're in uh, 2020 and there is no tape, um, yeah. I'm not really running it right now because we're just using an external mic to pick up this guitar. Which but is I funny have... because if I'm right, you were born in 93 or something? 89. Or 89. You were yeah. born in 89. And uh, so, yeah, that was like the tail end of tape. But Yeah, yeah. Know, well, I grew up learning. I grew up recording on tape. Like my first bands and things when right. I was young were still on tape. But but there is a Sorry. little contact transducer there. And um, and as, as, as the heel hits it, that runs through my pedal board and, and, and gets sent to the subs and it adds this reinforcement. So when you do it, it might sound really weedy coming through someone's iPhone speakers right now. But when it's in a PA in a room, it just kicks ass. Man. Oh, yeah. And that's it's full that's, frequency. Yeah, yeah. And, and it just really thumps. And and the, the whole percussive thing and, and that grid that I was talking about, 
It's basically me taking all of these different percussive elements, so kick drum, click, snare drum, sound hole, scratching the wood, whatever it is, and trying to combine it mentally with individual notes attacked by the right hand as well. So for example, yeah. if I wanted to achieve that bottom string at the same time as a kick drum, I would think, well, how can I do that? I would come up with a visual solution, which to me would be rest the thumb on the bottom string. And as you pick it, the wrist kicks back into that tip of the equilateral triangle. Um, and that would then be a point of my grid that I acknowledge as a micro technique and a technique that I can use. Yeah. And that I can then pull whenever I want into other songs and arrangements. So when Justin comes to me and wants me to add, add some kick drums to say a, a passage, it's very easy to do that on cue rather than having to practice it as a section, if that makes sense. So the same thing goes for say, wanting to hit the A string at the same time as a snare beat. There's a way you can angle the yeah. thumb here this is all the right hand where the thumb is striking the bottom string, but the tip of the thumb is just kissing the fifth string. Same with the D string. Yep, so you get a little snare sound by the string hitting the frets? The, str the, 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 th the thumb is, yeah, the thumb's hitting the string below the note and it's hitting the fret wire at the end of the fingerboard. Uh, and then there's things you can do where if you want a bigger sounding snare, I'm, I'm using my thumb to hit the top above the sound hole and sort of above the neck joint. And my fingertips yeah. are hitting the, the fretboard at the same time. Big, so if I wanted snare. to... Yeah, big... I call it the That's big like daddy... That's snare. Yeah, it's exactly. We just want to... It'll add the gated reverb in post, you know. But now, wait a second. Is there another contact pickup underneath that no, part of the guitar? No, th th that gets picked up by the piezo pickup, which is under the bridge, and also the internal microphone. Um, although the internal microphone mostly just picks up sort of, well it picks up everything but I mainly use it to focus on the edges, the stuff that's away from the piezo area but when you have that you can start building these techniques in and start playing around with kick at the same time as strum for example. Here I'm doing a downstroke with my index at the same time as a kick on a G major chord then I'm strumming by itself by lifting, flicking my fingers out and then I can come back down onto this big daddy snare. And, and by combining all this yeah. stuff, you can come up with little improv yeah. strumming patterns where you essentially have your own drummer. It's pretty, uh, it's pretty cool. And now below, say, I'm not sure how many frets, but below the high frets of your guitar, you have a scratch pad that's like laminated on top of the already whatever top you already have there which looks like spruce maybe I'm it sure. is yeah sit sitka spruce of the 38 year old variety nice. um now, and what? this is basically sorry man i oh, sorry because i'm a douchebag <laughs> no i i've i'm not i should be more organized in my questions first of all what kind of guitar are you playing it's obviously not a typical off the rack guitar well this guitar is is Right now, it's my, it's my signature guitar in the sense that you can get this exact guitar from the Luthier, but it is Luthier built by a man in a shed, as many great guitars are. And this guitar has a slightly unfortunate name, because the, the Luthier, he's German, his first name's Andreas, but his last name is Kunz. And Kunz is spelt with a C at the beginning and a Z or a Z at the end. C-U-N-T-Z. Um, so you don't really get them in America. 
but you can get them all over Europe and in Asia. So you can order them from his website. He'll build them in Germany, and then he'll send send them to you if you're listening in the States. And it's my signature kind of spec. Um, very thin neck, very, very easy to play. 38-year-old Sitka spruce on the top, Indian rosewood back and sides, quilted maple bindings, and this little scratch pad that comes with it is another bit of the spruce that's that's stuck on with tape. Um, if you've seen pictures of the guitar, you'll know what I'm talking about, but it's not got any lacquer on it. So as you scratch it over time, the soft bit of the wood gets eroded and the grain stays there. And that's where you can get these kind of scratchy sounds. Another little, that's that's about as eccentric as the guitar's construction gets. Most of and the one, rest of it's just again, pickups. Once there's, again, there's not a sensor pickup there either. You pretty much have just no, the one the, sensor. There's an, you, you see, on the video, which which is just yeah. for our benefit, really, there's an internal microphone that you might be able to see, yeah. that little silver thing. It's kind of pointed down in that direction. But yeah. regardless of where the internal mic's pointed, it will pick it up because you've got a mic in a box and that's that sound's coming through and it gets picked up quite nicely live by that microphone. But it needs is a that... separate channel to, to not have a lot of low end on it. You want it to be quite punchy and shrill for it to sound cool. Is that microphone part of the Black Angel? And what is the Black Angel? The Black Angel is a crime-fighting... No, it's not. Um, <laughs> so the Black Angel is a pickup that I kind of developed with Damasio pickups. Um, and it's my magnetic sound hole pickup. So um, for any non-acoustic guitar players, that's the pickup where if you look at the sound hole of the guitar and there's a bar across it, that's a that's a pickup. And that's the magnetic sound hole pickup. And the, the reason that this is cool is that... Firstly, it's passive, so it... Uh, picks up it doesn't need a battery but it also has a phase switch built into it so when you're using it with a multi pickup system like this you can invert the phase on the fly at sound checks and it, it, it you can get the fattest sound that you want that is it has nothing to do with the microphone the microphone's another brand um so there's four pickups in this guitar there's the aforementioned ah. kick drum pickup there's the damasio black angel magnetic there's uh, a microphone by a company called k and k and then the Piezo is also by Dimazio, and it's also called a Black Angel, but just a Piezo. Very nice. Yes, we just had Molly Tuttle on the show last oh, week. Oh, cool. She's, she's awesome. She's so cool. I want to meet her and play with her one day. Yeah, yeah. You guys will be great together. I, I think she's using some K&K stuff, too. Mm. Tell us about your tone. I mean, you get this immaculate reverb on stage and probably in your studio there. And um, as far as preamps going into the PA, what do you recommend? Well... My home studio is under construction right now. That's why this is a little bit of a gorilla kind of situation that you can see. Uh, but uh, because it's a new house and um, I, I made the unfortunate decision to move just as the pandemic happened. Um, that's that's when the closing on the house happened and the whole thing was chaos. So it's been a, a, a slow, a slow uh, progress getting everything together. But live, the reverb that I use live is actually from the Hall of Fame. It's um, the TC Electronic Hall of Fame 2, and it's, um, I usually use the modulated reverb, actually, um, where I have... You just use the stomp box. Yeah, yeah, the stomp box live, and um, because I find that the modulated reverb on it, um, as long as it's not too bright, not too dark, and some of that is dependent on the room, actually, so it's definitely worth sound checking with. Um, it adds a thickness, because it has a chorus to it. It adds this sort of 80s thickness, which as a solo performer really helps. But on the Justin Hayward tours, we blend that with house reverb. That's, so every sound check, we blend my reverb with Steve, who's at the front of house. He does his thing, and he finds a really nice balance where it's not just 
sort of uh, the TC sound. It's blended with whatever he's got on the desk. Um, and then I also have a tone print on the Hall of Fame too, which is called the Old Hall. Sweet. And that is even, that's like a cross between a modulation and like a shimmer. Uh, so for some, any extreme moments of groovy acid vibe, um, I just kind of kick that on and uh, and that's nice. And then in the studio, I think we've we've used a lot of sampled halls uh, with my engineer, like real places that have been sampled. Uh, we use a lot of the Valhalla stuff as well. Um, yeah. But um, but yeah, I mean, I'm not that much of a studio geek until COVID happened, and now I'm learning. I was just a live guy, right? So, <laughs> do you come out stereo out of that Hall of Fame and to the PA, yeah. and then so you and obviously Steve at front of house has stereo because it sounds immaculate when I've seen you, and also Excellent. I didn't realize you. Saw, I didn't realize you saw me play on the on the boat. Was that well, was that in the? I saw the, you the, play Purple Rain with. Kat. Oh, that was in the hall. That was in the yeah. like the big room, wasn't it? Yeah, in the big yeah the uh, main room, which yeah. is so weird when you're in one of those things because you look like you're in a theater, but you can't believe you're in the middle of a the middle ocean. of the ocean. So that that was amazing, but that was um I, I I that might have been Steve. I think it was Steve, but that was a last minute thing. Right, so right. what happened is my show got rained off because it was one of the outside oh, yeah. things, and that then was the one. I I silver tongued them. Into, that sounded weird. I sweet talked them <laughs> into letting me do a twenty-minute slot before the orchestra, which is like ELO, but the other one. Yeah, yeah. And um, and and, but they let me do it. But they said, okay, but you've got half an hour. That's te- that's including your sound check. So it was pedal board on stage, plug in. Right. Levels good, cool. Let's go, and then play for twenty minutes. And that's a testament to having an organized pedal board and a, se- a setup that you know. Because those situations in a professional environment in the middle of an ocean where lots of technical things can go wrong, um, I was really happy with how that sounded. So that was, uh, yeah, that was um, that was a memorable gig. And then the rain came yeah. down, didn't it? Like like they they put purple rain on the screen behind me or something like that, and had yeah, all some crazy stuff familiar. going on. That yeah, and, and I guess I'm saying too, from watching YouTube's and hearing your new record, like, is there a good example of the sort of combined reverb sound on one of the songs that we? reference maybe one we haven't heard yet yeah well actually so when you record a live album there are certain things you want to commit to and certain things you don't want to commit to at the gig so for the particular gigs where i had steve which would be the first nine tracks uh those are all shows where i was opening for justin in new york and florida i didn't have my tc electronic pedal on at all because i wanted to and he had his reverb, but it wasn't like being hard recorded to the file, right? Because right. we wanted to play with that in post. But um, something that you will hear on songs like uh, Slow Dancing in a Burning Room is I'm using my Strymon Timeline swell delay patch and I'm feeding distortion into the delay which then gets fed into the reverb of the house and it creates this wishy-washy, beautiful kind of uh, kind of sound. And then at the end of the track... Um, if you if you play this track, I'll, I'll send it to you. Um, the audience starts singing. I get the audience singing and humming along, and uh, uh, it ends up into this fady, reverby kind of jelly. <laughs> it's nice.
Before I forget, what kind of strings do you like to use and what gauge for a typical dadgad and standard tuning? Yeah, so the string stuff, um, uh, I've always used a dadgad set or what, what I call it, well, what is called dadgad set by Daddario. And it is by Daddario. I've pretty much always played Daddario. I, I flirted with a few other companies, but I've always come back to Daddario. And the gauges are basically the sixth string and the first string and the second string are from a set of mediums and the other strings are from a set of lights. So the specific gauges are from high to low, 13, 17, 24, 32, 42, 56. Nicely right? done. So it works out in dadgad tuning, but also it's not too dramatic to come up to standard or down to a more exotic tuning. I don't know all of my different acoustic alloy formulas, but are what type do you use? Are, are they coded or not? Or Right, so on the live record, on some of it, um, I was using the Daddario Nickel Bronze uncoated strings. Um, and I've always liked to use uncoated strings live because I sweat like an Englishman in a hot country. Like, and I don't like coated <laughs> strings and sliding all over the place, right? Like, the humidity just gets to me and I, I'm worried I'll butter slide up and miss a note. <laughs> so I've always used uncoated strings live, but recently Daddario have brought out some strings called XT. I don't know if you've heard of them, XT acoustic strings. And I did a clinic tour with them and, and uh, with Yvette Young last year in the UK. Cool. And I tried these strings beforehand and that's the, the clinic tour was to promote those. They've managed to make coated strings that feel like uncoated strings, right? Oh, so that's cool. what I'm using now because it's the best of both worlds. They'll last longer there's less squeak. Um, That's the uh, XTs? XT, yeah, by right. Dario. And I use the custom Dadgad set for that as well. I don't know if you can, I don't know if they're releasing a Dadgad set yet. So they sent me one. I'm very fortunate for that. But uh, it, it, even if you have to get a set of lights and a set of mediums and throw six strings in the bin, um, it's worth trying out because, uh, yeah, I, I don't know how they've done it, but it's a string that lasts maybe twice as many shows. Um, and doesn't feel like butter, which is great. Now I'm fascinated with you. Your I know you. Do you I don't know if you mind picking up your guitar again and showing us some of this or not. But I'm I'm fascinated with your um putting the fretting hand over the top of the neck so effortlessly and oh you know, like maybe like on one by your Metallica cover. Yeah. One. Well, that which oh I'm in a crazy tuning. Um yeah. So a lot of that. So the whole inverted hand kind of thing. There's a lot of you know, I mean, there's a lot of, come on, let's uh, let's make a live show a live show to it. But um, I've, I've tried to make every instance of doing that um, practical. You know, I, I, yeah, I do it doesn't it very, look like a gimmick. It looks, no, it, it looks, I'm, gl it I'm looks glad very... you say that. I, I'm, I think it's, as much as I make silly jokes and act like a bit of a doofus, um, I'm very kind of sensitive to gimmicks. It's a very English trait. So, like, if something is cheesy we say, or corny, it, it's like we get a shiver down our spine here. You know what I mean? Um, so anything that's sort of overly showy for the sake of it, um, as much as I respect people who do all that stuff and, you know, no hard feelings or anything, there is always a practical reason for it. So, for example, you mentioned One by Metallica. Um, in the chorus, there's an invert, but it's there's two reasons for it. Uh, yeah, there. So the reason for that is because of hammer-on strength. 
of achieving notes that need to be hammered on, which in, in this situation I wouldn't do and, I, and I'd miss and it would be weaker, and also access to resonant strings that would be muted by your hand if it wasn't allowing these to be open. So for the benefit of the people listening, right now I'm playing 555000, but my hand's inverted. And if I hammer yeah. on that major third, it's very easy to do inverted, whereas the other way around I wouldn't get the same amount of power. So that's the kind of... That kind of thing, yeah. you know, that kind of movement has to look like that for it to flow, in my opinion. In that's yeah, or maybe I'm an idiot, <laughs> but that's how I do it anyway. Well, it looks so flowing when you play it. It like it's it's hard to describe. You just it's because my arms look like octopusy alien weird boy arms. <laughs> <laughs> but in addition to that fact, just kidding. Um, the, there's no separate motion of when your hand suddenly now I'm inverted like it's all like one motion when you go back and forth that's that's what's really striking oh, so well, I think that's because that's why it sounds so musical well thank you that's yeah. a really that's a really nice um, a nice compliment I really like doing these kind of podcasts with with people like yourself who who know about the musicality of the guitar you know what I mean um, because the scene that fingerstyle guitar is becoming and has become much like every other musical scene things have to be uh accessible to the the attention span generation you know um and i feel that you know all of this stuff when you've got your hands inverted and you're standing on one leg and you put it in the thumbnail everyone gets more views and everyone kind of climbs their their own respective ladders quickly by doing that and it's but but by, by you saying that, it's a really nice compliment because you're acknowledging the intent that I've put behind it, and the intent is always to achieve a musical yeah. end, right? And um, uh, a lot of people will also have that same intent, and, and some other people will not have that intent. Yeah. So by observing that, you've made my heart full, Jude Gold. Oh, so thank well, you, Jude the dude. Hey, I'm just <laughs> calling it like I see it. And then, you know, like this question of intent, though, like my ph philosophy or the way I feel, like when I see a person like you... It's not even a, I don't think of, I can't imagine you actually have an intellectual intent. I see it as the music is flowing through you and it has to get out and you're a talented person that can get this beam of light that's coming from above coming out of your hands and you're going to figure out a way to do it. So is it, how much of it's an intellectual intent and how much are you just chasing this sound for to get that satisfaction? Well, man, I think it's just down to honesty. Like at the end of the day, um, I have this obsession with uh, trying to eke out as much as, as possible out of an acoustic guitar um, because that's the most flexible vessel that I could find for the intent, which is just to play music. Like, I didn't start on the guitar. I started on the keyboard and on the trumpet, actually, and then the electric guitar. But it was the, the insular and perfectionist kind of mentality um, that I had, which which led me to the acoustic guitar, because you could be a soloist. I think I was always looking for the, a way to achieve what I wanted to achieve and what I still want to achieve off my own back entirely, but by having complete control of that. And um, this is another reason why the Justin Hayward gig I really really uh, enjoy, and it's it's the dream gig, is because he gives us so much flexibility with our parts. You know what I mean? Like he wants us yep. to express ourselves through his tunes. The way we work is he's just like, I want to do this song on this tour and sends us an MP3 of like the original tape recording that's like not even concert pitch. And then whatever you <laughs> come up with, very rarely he'll be like, you know, no, I don't like that. He just trusts us yeah. to do, he'll, he'll say to me like, 
do this one on acoustic, lots of percussion, no percussion in this section, you know, vague instructions, nothing about the specific notes I'm playing though. And and yeah, and, and it's that flexible uh, yeah. expression is, is really uh, really fulfilled in that gig. So re- big respect to Justin for having me with him for these seven or eight years we've been going now. Yeah, I mean, that that's a sign of a great director or whatever producer. I was thinking of this great musical I did, like this director came in and he turned it into a sold out thing when I was in college. It was a musical version of Midsummer Night's Dream. And oh, nice. he would just, he grabbed the talent and then he'd give you some coaching and send you off in your way. But then he just kind of like push you off in a trajectory because he's not going to sit there and micromanage everything you're doing. He's got to send yeah. you on the right trajectory. And that, that being said though, you know, you have to not suck. Like, you know, yeah. uh, th- this shouldn't be taken as, you know, if you get a session gig, wing it, it'll be fine. You know, you have to <laughs> deliver and be a professional. But, you know, another thing with these kind of session gigs is it, it it's of my opinion that, and I may be way off base here, but it's of my opinion that if you are consistent, you don't rattle the cage, you're on time, that's another thing. Like, um, we've all been in situations, I'm sure, where, band members will be consistently just late to things you know and you have an agreeable personality like you're just good to be around and fun to be around you know all of these things are sort of just as important to keeping the gig as the actual you know the playing almost it's it's almost like the playing gets you the gig but who you are and how you behave and and your intent and your expression is what keeps the gig you know now i read somewhere that you opened for justin or in other words how did you first get the call from Justin to start playing with him and or join his band and start touring with him? Well, actually, it's a really sweet and unexpected story um, because and I, I used to say this at workshops to try and inspire budding sort of pro musicians who are at their, their sort of Musicians Institute type places. Um, basically, the worst gig of my life I ever did was in 2009, right? I was at university. I was invited to open for a three-act bill. The top guy was a pretty famous guy. And then there was a, a second support called Karima Francis, who's an amazing singer-songwriter. Anyway, I opened and everything went wrong. Like my parents were there, my teachers were there. It was a big proud moment. 900 cap room in my hometown. Broke a nail in the first song. The fire alarm went off. The monitors were feeding back. The tour manager of the headliner came on and said, you have to cut a song and get off. Literally, it was that bad um, for various reasons. And then I thought, okay, well, I've just blown my uh, my sort of shot because everyone thinks that first gig, there's only one shot and the nonsense. Um, Wait, so this this gig was kind of explain a high profile gig. It was it was as a as a uh, sort of 19 year old. It was the biggest gig I'd ever done. I was I was invited to be the local support, and it was my hometown. And I was studying music, and my parents right. were there. I never let them come. It was like the biggest gig I'd done, right? And it was a disaster. Worst gig I'd done. But you fast forward to 2013 when I get a call from Justin Haywood to come and play some guitar at his place because he's looking for a new guitar player. Um, I basically, you know, did my thing and he really liked me and he basically cancelled the other auditions kind of there and then, uh, which was really sweet. I asked him how he'd heard of me and he said that basically um, it wasn't through YouTube or a viral video that I had at the time. It was a friend of his was called Karima Francis and she recommended me because she played with me once. So something about whatever that worst gig in the world was to me, you know, we'd never spare, uh, spent, uh, we've, sorry, uh, my words are gone now. We have never spoken, uh, myself and Karima Francis, but something about that stuck with her 
for her to recommend me to Justin Hayward like wow. four or five years later, you know? So I always tell people, you never know. You never know who's listening and you never know how they are receiving what you're doing. So if you guys listening have had a really crappy gig and it's got you down, you never know what's going to come out of it. Even if it's just like one guy and a dog, you know, you never know. And I'm sure we've both had situations, others, I've certainly had other situations like that yeah. where some opportunities happened from the most unlikely situation. So, yeah, it's an, a, a lesson in positive thinking and uh, being uh, grateful for the bad gigs. <laughs> Yeah, you just got to go out there and do it because you never know what's going to happen or where your path is going to lead. Yeah, exactly. All right. Now, here's a request. Right. Jamming on Zoom is next to impossible, but I could you play um, Purple Rain? If I can remember and, it. Okay, we can try. Are you going to like, sync sub- this together? And if, but Okay, this we, we have to get more jamming. Now, now in-person pod, the first hundred episodes of this show or more were always in-person. Okay, right. But... um. And we'll get back to that soon once uh, things get settled and people are a little more comfortable with with going viral but not going viral. Well, whereabouts so are you uh, based, Jude? I'm in Los Angeles. In Los Angeles, okay. Well, next time, yeah, we should we should meet up. Just oh, trying yeah, to remember yeah. how this goes. So uh, uh, I'll just so. cycle the chords, right? Oh, oh, I'm doing it yeah. in D. Is that cool? Yeah, sure. Um, okay, I've heard I've heard of that key. Thank you for indulging that. I mean, I have no idea how obnoxious that tone was that I had going or nothing. We'll find out later. I... Or if I'm <laughs> clipping all over the place. Who knows? We'll find out later. But we can, we, can, we can do it again in real life. Yeah, yeah. Fantastic. And it's cool. It's just cool to hear you rocking out people. You got our good friend, Quist. I say good friend. I, I met him a couple times on yeah, he's the live, the live tracks on your album, One. He, he is the man. Um, 
Um, I never oh, play sitting down, yeah. dude. Like, ever. Oh. Yeah, it's weird. So I'm just like, yeah. all these little micro-movements. It's pretty wild. Well, you know what I you know what I have? It was one piece of gear that... Oh, that's yeah. beautiful. You have one piece of gear? I have one piece of gear. Only one piece of gear. Well, I was going to say... <laughs> I wish I only had one piece of gear. That's a, It's an opposite problem, but... The, check out this thing. Very few guitar players have this. See what's happening here? What? Jude shrinking, I, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Ikea, baby. It's a it's a standing desk. If I hit, you know, can raise and motorize. And then, like, That's I amazing. do a lot of zooming. Nowadays, I'll do a lot of zooming completely standing up, man. There's no sense in sitting around all man, day long. Man, I've got to get that. Because right now, I'm, yeah. like, I'm, like, I'm, like, constricted, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Constricted in this kind of environment. <laughs> Yeah, but it's it's fun, man. It's you've you've got me inspired to, to to play more, you know. Because um, like I said, this lockdown thing, I, I and the house move and, and the chaos that ensued from that, maybe just put down the guitar. I just come off like a two month tour and suddenly tours are gone and they're never happening again. So I just kind of went oh, no. just into a bad bad vibe and and doing these kind of things and chatting to other guitar players like yourself. It's it's just so inspiring and so cool. And uh, yeah, thank you for having me on. It's been a, been a real a real treat. Likewise, it goes both ways. You've been incredibly inspiring. To, great to have you. Thanks, man. Well, long, Keep it alive long, long, long may your podcast survive because it's one of the best ones in the world. And I've been listening, and I am a fan. So, Do not <laughs> thank you so much. Great to, to reconnect and uh, keep it alive till you're a million and five. Very very simple. If I can do it, you can do it. Just like this. Keep it going. Now you guys on the top, I'd like you to take your hand like my Italian friend Alberto when he's saying something important. And just click your fingers like this. We have our choir and we have our percussion. Keep it going to the end guys, this is beautiful.